This is an audio sermon recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ in Alma, Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth. We would love for you to worship with us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at 1808 Highway 71 North in Alma, Arkansas. I often ask myself, why am I speaking on what I'm speaking on? Uh, I think, like, like many of us, most of us, we're, we're speaking to ourselves up here. But besides that, I guess what I would convey to you, or that what you would take away from the lesson this morning, is a lightened daily attitude on the life that you live. Not that we take it lightly, but that the dark times aren't as dark. That there is light in the life in which we walk. And that we would focus on that more. And hopefully this lesson will be a tool or a direction to empower you to do just that. Charles Blondin, perhaps uh, it's a famous story. Clint knows it. He's probably going to do something about it really soon. Knocked his leg up from underneath him. Charles Blondin, a story we've heard many times, he was a French acrobat specializing in tightrope walking. At one point uh, during his, his uh, skill at this feat, he strung a rope across the Niagara River. And he was also very good at promoting his, his stunts, his feats. And so he, he promoted this so that a large crowd gathered. All different types of people came to watch him go across the Niagara River standing on just a rope. And he went across and he came back. And he made it. applause. Then he went back again. And he kept going back and forth across, doing different things. At one point, he sat down in the middle and made himself uh, some kind of a lunch out there and ate it on the middle of the tightrope above the Niagara River. And for his finale, he came back and with the wheelbarrow, having demonstrated that he can push this wheelbarrow across, asked the crowd, do you believe I can put somebody in this wheelbarrow and send them across, take them across and bring them back. Yeah, the crowd, he had, by now he had the crowd's uh, confidence. Yes, you know, we, we believe it, we want to see it. Who will get in the wheelbarrow? Silence. Trust. If God asked 
asked you, do you trust me? How would you answer? Do you trust me? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Among the favored memory verses, I suppose, in most of all, all the world, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. You know, that's tough to do because that means taking whatever you understand about a situation, about your situation, and setting it aside for what God says about your situation. Do you trust Him? Can you suspend your own disbelief in how a situation appears to be working out? God, it looks, from my point of view, it looks like things are headed off the rails. From, from how I understand things, this isn't the way we ought to be going. God asks, asks us to trust Him. To not lean on how we understand, but lean on what God has said. I could be up here I suppose, most to all the afternoon, reading verses from the Bible, particularly from Psalms, about the importance of trusting in God. But I've selected a few, Psalms 5, 11, but let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. But God, it, it doesn't look like I'm being defended right now. Do you trust him? Let those also who love your name be joyful in you. In the Lord, I put my trust. How can you say to my soul, flee? like a bird to your mountain. I like the perspective of the psalmist here. It's like, <laughs> how, how can you say, run, run and hide, be scared? Say, how, how can you say that? How can you even suggest that? Why? Because I, I put my trust in the Lord. So, I'm good. So David shows up at the army uh, of Saul and Israel, sees that Goliath, this champion uh, super soldier, for real, from the Philistines, has been challenging one of them to come out and fight And so, as we know, the story goes, 
David goes to meet Goliath on the battlefield. And he has taken with him his shepherd's staff and a pocket of rocks and his sling. He doesn't have a sword, doesn't have any armor. They tried to put it on him. It just didn't work. And so here he shows up. Goliath's walking out there. And he takes and he looks at David approaching him. This he's but a boy. He's, you know, early, maybe, maybe mid-teens. Goliath looks at this and he he's insulted. Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? What is this? <laughs> it would be laughable if he wasn't so, so offended and insulted by what's, what's shown up to fight him. Right? Like, what? He's like, here he is in like a standing, walking tank of a man with heavy weaponry, weapons of mass destruction. And here's this boy with a stick. What does that say with, uh, to Goliath about what David thinks of him? About thinks of his size and his abilities, his experience, his armor, his weapons. David says, I don't trust in any of that. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was only a youth, ready and good looking. So the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Then David said to the Philistine, Verse 45 of 1 Samuel 17. You come to me with a sword, with a spear, with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. See, there's the difference. David trusted, he, David wasn't even trusting in his shepherd's staff and his pocket of rocks. He came to him in the name of the Lord. There was his trust. And if it was a stick, if it was a rock, it didn't matter. David knew where, where his salvation would come from. He trusted in the Lord. And he said, verse 47, Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Are you trusting God? Or are you saying to God, God, I, I know you, but, but look, look at all this other stuff here. Where are you putting your trust? 
when we don't trust in the Lord, when we say to God, God, I see that you're omnipotent and all-powerful and all-knowing, but I'd rather trust in my retirement account. Or I'd rather trust in uh, a promotion or a better job or a bigger house or a new neighborhood. Don't you think that is insulting to the power of God? That we would come to God who, who stands there all powerful and say, ah, I'd rather go with something else. King Assyria, the king of Assyria has invaded Judah and he sends a messenger to Jerusalem then the Rabshakeh said to them say now to Hezekiah thus says the great king the king of Assyria what confidence is this in which you trust you speak of having plans and powers of war but they are mere words and in whom do you trust that you rebel against me? Now look, you are trusting in the staff of this broken reed, Egypt, on which if a man leans, it will go into his hand and pierce it. So is the Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to all who trust in him. But if you say to me, we trust in the Lord our God, is not he whose high places and whose altars Hezekiah has taken away and said to Judah and Jerusalem, you shall worship before this altar in Jerusalem. Now therefore, I urge you, give a pledge to my master, the king of Assyria, and I will give you 2,000 horses if you are able on your part to put riders on them. How then will you repel just one captain of the least of my master's servants and put your trust in Egypt for chariots and horsemen? And he says in verse 30, Nor let Hezekiah persuade you to trust in the Lord, saying, The Lord shall surely deliver us. This city shall not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. This guy shows up. And he's delivering this message to Hezekiah and the whole city. It's hinging on trust. In whom do you trust? Is it Egypt? They're weak. Is it your God? Isn't there internal issues with you and your God? Besides all the other gods, they didn't, they didn't save those people. Besides, he says in one more verse, by the way, your God is the one that told me to show up and wipe this place out. A lot of clouded, confusion, language. But I think there's, there's an interesting statement, he says, in whom do you trust that you rebel against me? It says you're picking the wrong side. You should be trusting in me. But by trusting in something else, you're rebelling against me. I think he's right. I think when we, when we don't trust in God, we say, no, I've got something else. Anytime we say no to God, that is the spirit of rebellion. 
God wants you in his wheelbarrow. Do you trust me? When we don't get in the wheelbarrow, think about it, when we don't get in the wheelbarrow, not only are we saying, I don't trust you, we're simultaneously saying, I'm trusting wherever I am with whatever I've got more. And I don't think we can tolerate that, can we? We can't have that. We can't live a life where little things coming up and instead of trusting God, we try to just take care of them all ourselves. In our way, however, in our stuff, the world's offerings, and laying insult and rebellion at the feet of the Lord. And how does that reflect on the Lord? How does that, how does that make God look? You know, all those people that showed up to watch Charles Baldwin, uh, Baldwin, Blondin, walk across the Niagara River, they weren't all his fans. A lot of them showed up to heckle and jeer him. Try to tear him down. Don't have any detailed accounts of what was said, but when nobody volunteered to get in the wheelbarrow after they all said, yeah, well, yeah, we think you can do it. Don't you think that gives opportunity for all the hecklers to start calling out Charles Blondin again. Look, nobody, nobody really believes you. Even your fans here, they won't get in the, they won't get in your wheelbarrow. They don't really trust you. When we don't trust God, when we don't get in the wheelbarrow, we give opportunity to blasphemers. But when we do get in the wheelbarrow, We give glory not to ourselves, but to him who pushes the wheelbarrow. Job 3.15 says, Though he slay me, yet I will trust him. Job is a fascinating book. There's so much about Jesus in the book of Job. <clears throat> Jesus on the cross, last seven words, and Jesus crying out with a loud voice said, Father, into your hands I entrust my spirit. And having said this, he died. Jesus was all in. that gave immeasurable glory to God. There's the difference. There's no safe middle road, I'm afraid to tell you. 
There is trusting in God and giving glory to Him, or there is not trusting in God and giving opportunity to blaspheme Him. There is trusting in God and rejoicing, or there is not trusting and insulting. Do you trust me? Do you trust God with who you are? I want to go through just some, a number of different things to get us to thinking about ways in which we may or may not, we can trust God. Again, in hopes of benefiting our attitude to walk the Christian life. Do you trust me? with who you are. Psalm 139, For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. What would you like to change about yourself? You like the way you look? You like how tall you are? You wish you had more hair, less hair. I had to have braces when I was a kid. God made my teeth like that. Do you trust him? Do you trust him with how smart you are? I feel like I run into that a lot. Oh, I wish I was smarter. Do I trust him? Who's getting the glory for any of this stuff anyways? Jesus said, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Church, I want to tell you, you're just right. Each one of you is just right for this time and this place that God has brought you to. Can you trust God with who you are? You are the only one this world is ever going to get. You're the only one of you this world is ever going to get. And God put you just as you are here. And he put you here now. Don't deprive the world of the blessing that God has given it in you. Trust him. Do you trust me with what happens? Stuff happens all the time, doesn't it? Stuff always going on. I mean, you're driving down the road and, oh, you're in a hurry to get someplace, right? You ever been in a hurry to get someplace? Maybe. I have. I've been in a hurry to get places before. And sometimes 
And the most inconvenient time, maybe, I'll catch that red light. Not the little short one. Maybe I'll catch the red light that's like, oh, it's just now going red. And it's one of those like, you know, hour, hour long red lights. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, well, Flat tires. Ever get a flat tire? Got a flat tire once in Oklahoma City. Do you trust him that it's, it's the right time for that flat tire? I'm not saying that God's intentionally trying to you know, hurt you and trip you up. Not at all. I'll tell you a secret. God knew that flat tire. He knew that red light was coming. He knew that uh, that flight was going to be delayed. He knew about that mess that the kids were going to make and you just found out about. He knew that was coming. He knew about that illness. He knew that was coming. Those high grocery prices, high everything prices. <coughs> yeah, he knows about those. Can you trust him when all that happens? Job says to his wife, when all this bad stuff starts happening to him, says, shall we indeed accept good from God? And shall we not then accept adversity? Paul writes to the Romans, and we know, do we? Do we know, church? Do we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called, the called according to his purpose? Peter writes, but even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, tough, it's a tough line to swallow. Even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. Do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. Can you trust that God's got that? Do you trust me with what child you have? Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the loom is a, re is a reward. I originally had that title, Do You Trust Me With What Children You Have? But I changed it to child because it's not just about our children as a whole, is it? It's about each one. Each one is unique. It's their own. Each one of our children is their own person. They're a heritage from the, from the Lord. They're a reward. Our, do you ever, does it ever cross your mind that maybe, maybe the Lord made a mistake in this one? He, you know, that should have been someone else. Or do you trust Him? Do you trust me with the parent your child has? 
you ever second-guess yourself? Maybe I'm not as good of a parent as my child needs. Maybe it would be better if, you know, I wish I was more like that parent. Or maybe I, I wish I was more like this other parent. Or this one parent on some parent podcast. They seem to have it all together. They got all the answers. conference, you hear somebody get up and they just bullet point after bullet point and just awesome material. It's like, oh man, this is great stuff. They, they must have it all together. I wish I was more like them. When the angel shows up to talk to Mary and tells her about who's coming, this is her response. Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. God's not into making mistakes. I promise you. You're the right one for the job. Do you trust him? Do you trust me with what parents you have? It gets incredibly complicated when, when you think about it. It's like, I mean, you've got this huge history of, of you know, of family trees and, and you know, and genetics and personalities and stuff, and it just all kind of happens right here at this little point in time that, well, I've got these parents and I've got these children and I'm here in the middle and... Do you think the Lord had anything to do with that? Or do you think that was just all random? The Lord's just hoping that it works out. Ephesians 6, 2 reminds us to honor your father and mother. Not not necessarily because they're honorable, but because you are to be honorable. Can you trust Him? Do you trust me with the people you meet? Your co-workers? Classmates? People we run into doesn't seem important. It's just what happens in life. But are those people there for a purpose? Do we meet these people for no good reason or can we trust God that good can come from all of that? Peter writes, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Set him aside. And always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. With meekness and fear, having a good conscience, that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. For one, we're to, be, uh, we're to obviously have a hope that warrants questioning. 
And when we meet people, we're ready to, we're to be ready to have an answer about that. To give glory to God. Can you trust that those people you, you meet and you run into, can you trust that in showing the light of God there, that that's God's work, that God is in that, even as just sort of happenstance as it may seem, can you trust God? Do you trust me with my timing? God may ask you. You know, it had been 40 years since Moses fled from Egypt. So he was 40 years old when he fled from Egypt. And that was 40 years ago. Uh, living out in kind of the wilderness, being a shepherd. Four decades. He's now 80 years old. And God shows up in a burning bush and says, Moses, it's time. Moses didn't think so, did he? Moses disagreed. Can we trust God's timing? Sometimes we just have to be patient. There's a lot in the Bible about patience. But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit, how? With patience. Jesus says, by your patience, possess your souls. And James writes, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Do you trust me with my way? Is it your way? We like our way. It's my way or the highway. Can we trust God with his way? Jesus said, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Thomas asks, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How, how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jacob lived a tough life. So did his children. Especially, perhaps, Joseph. But I think of Jacob being, oh goodness, 
kind of worked back and forth. He goes up, he goes home, he comes back. And he's got all this stuff. And he's fled from his father-in-law because he wasn't sure exactly how his father's going to law. He's going to let him leave. And then he shows up on this side and Esau's coming to get him. He thinks maybe. So he sends all these gifts. And then later, he hears that his son Joseph has been attacked by some animal. It's a hard life. Joseph, I mean, he, his brothers are contemplating killing him. Instead, they sell, they sell him into slavery because at least they get something out of it. They sell him into slavery. He's a slave in a foreign land down there. He's falsely convicted while he's there even though he does everything right. He gets thrown into prison. He's down there for a while and he gets forgotten about. And then finally, he's, he's made second in command all, uh, to Pharaoh of all the land and the drought comes and he's reunited with his brothers. Sold him to begin with. They're scared of him. What does he tell them? He says, yeah, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Can you trust in God's way? It's not the, it's not the easy way. It's difficult. But it's God's way. Can you trust it? Do you trust me? I really think I could just leave this slide up there and just had sat down and we had, you know, 30 minutes of, of a contemplation about that question. Probably would have done this better, but there is great peace, brothers, sisters, in knowing. that you are doing what the Lord wants you to do if you trust Him? Are you doing what's right? Then trust Him. You don't have to worry. That's the burden that Christ took off of us. Obey. And you can trust there's a prayer popular on the internet called the Serenity Prayer. It reads thus, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Do you trust me? I think we know the answer to that question is at least to be yes. I trust you. We trust him. We can trust him, church, with everything. Big situations, small situations. There may be times that are scary, the nerving, but we can trust him. You know the difference? That makes, uh, you know what makes the difference between a roller coaster being 
terrifying or fun and exciting? Trust. Which life are we living? That's the lesson. If you're here today and you haven't trusted Him completely, you haven't trusted Him with your salvation, please, absolutely, now is the time. Come forward. Baptistry is ready. The water is wet. Or if you just need to come forward and say, hey, I need prayers. I want to say something. I want to trust in the Lord more. Then come. As we stand and sing. We hope you have enjoyed this message recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ. If you have questions concerning this message or would like to set up a study, please call 479-647-2658. May God bless you.